And welcome to the North Pole, everybody. Week 13 in the books. The Vikings got a big win versus the Jaguars. They almost blew it. Uh, the Jaguars are giving everybody in the NFC North a good fight, it seems like. And then the Detroit Lions coming back, beating the Chicago Bears, who are reeling right now. And then the Green Bay Packers picking up a nice victory versus the Philadelphia Eagles. So tonight's show, just a little breakdown of what's going to go down tonight. We got a special guest, Sporty Jordy, a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. She's going to be coming on to discuss that Eagles-Packers game, along with everybody knows who, Kevin O'Brien, recurring guest, Packers fan. That's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to talk Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, all that good stuff. And then after that, going to be bringing on another guest, Jeremy Reisman, uh, managing editor of the Pride of Detroit uh website prideofdetroit.com he's a great he's gonna have a great insight into the detroit lions situation after week 13 gonna talk about who they might hire as their next head coach and how they looked on sunday without kenny galladay or deandre swift um before i get into that just a couple shout outs i want to uh i want to make is shout out to myself myself gabe flayton will be hosting a a preview show for the Army-Navy game, America's Game. It's in three days now. I've been waiting all year for this. Army has a shot to reclaim the Commander of Chiefs trophy. I'm a huge Army football fan. I don't know if anybody else is an Army football fan, but hoping they get the job done. First ever game at West or first game at West Point. This game will be played. That Army has played against Navy since. World War II, I believe it was 1943. That's going to be a ton of fun. Um, Andy Hopper with the comment, look at that fresh cut. Gabe looking good. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate that. Without further ado, uh, we have our guests coming on. We have Kevin O'Brien coming on. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Gabe? And then we have Sporty Jordy. Hello, Jordan. All right. Uh, I think you're muted, Jordan. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Awesome. Hey, guys. What's going on? Okay. Let me get these banners out of the way. Okay. So let me get the background. I have a great background for this. You know, the, I'm sorry, Jordy. We couldn't get the Eagles background because this okay. is an NFC North podcast. Uh, Kevin studying. That's what I like to see. <laughs> and, and Kevin, another thing I want to add, I think – Everybody's been noticing my haircut, but something that I notice about you is that you're sitting down at a desk for this podcast rather than in your bed, which is a first. <laughs> That's I great. I presentable tonight, Gabe. I felt I, good about myself. Yeah, this is the first time guests can see that you have a mouth. That's great. You have another half of your face. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, but as we know, the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Packers, Jordan. I believe the score was 30 to 16, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, something like that. So first, Jordan, I want to talk about uh, Doug Peterson's big decision mm -hmm. to drop Carson Wentz midway through the game, bring in Jalen Hurts. And not a lot of people know what Jalen Hurts is capable of, but now I think we kind of have an idea of what he is. At the time, though, did you think that this was a good choice by Doug Peterson? 
Yeah, I was honestly really excited just because we've seen Wentz all season and he's been less than stellar to say the least. So when Jalen Hurts comes in, I feel like all Eagles fans kind of get this like moment of excitement where it's like, yes, we're switching things up. I think we've all been kind of waiting for that moment that we got to see in the Packers game because normally he comes out for a snap, maybe two, and then that's all we see. And then we saw him in his first snap. He stayed out, and then he finished the series. And no one really knew what was going on. So I know me and my mom were watching together, and we didn't really know how to feel about it yet. We were kind of excited to see him out there. Nothing really came out of his first drive, but it was just good to get that nice momentum switch. And then once he started coming back out, and we realized this was really it, and Wentz was really benched for the rest of the game. I thought it was the best move that we could have done in the moment. I thought it gave us our best chance of kind of coming back. And it did give us, there was a moment where I thought we were on the come up there. I thought we were coming back, but we didn't win the game, but it did give us our best chance. I was excited that it happened. Yeah, I think I think this is a, a time in the season where the Eagles have been so boring. At least Jalen Hurts gives them something to watch and something to enjoy. As for the Packers, uh, th- there's a lot to love about this team, Kevin. Who, what, what part of this offense? I mean, everybody on this offense had an excellent game from Aaron Rodgers to the offensive line to the, your receiving core. Which part, which position offensively stood out to you the most in this game? Uh, I think you just got to go with Devontae Adams. I mean, he's having a career year, and one of my headphones just shut off. I'm going to take that out. And Devontae Adams, yeah, I mean, he's just having an unbelievable season for missing, what, three, four games? And his numbers are still up to snuff for a receiver that would have played 16 games. Aaron, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, obviously I've told you time and time again that Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of this year. He's having another MVP season. And, uh, yeah, the offense just relies on him to do what he does week in and week out, and that's why the Packers are 9-3 and three currently. Yeah, and in a second, I'll go to a little graphic I have um, with me and Kevin's little gentleman's bet, $50 of uh, whose team, the Vikings or his Packers, will finish the season with a better regular season record. I have a graphic I'll show you guys just in a little bit, but I want to get back to Jordy. We have a comment from a very special fan, Carolyn Barnes, but actually that is Nick, her son, Nick Barnes. Uh <laughs> Uh, with the comment, he should have been benching Carson Wentz halfway through the season. Now, Jordy, I, I want to go over some Carson Wentz stuff here. I have some, okay. some stuff. I have uh, a little some graphics here that okay. you might enjoy. Carson Wentz, <laughs> as we see, this is his worst PFF rating of his career this season. What do you have to say that this was too late for the, the Eagles to bench Carson Wentz? I think it absolutely was too late and not even necessarily just to bench him. I honestly just wanted more of, even if it was just a mix up, even if we gave Jalen Hurts just more snaps, if he did a series here and then we put Wentz back in, I even think just that switch up enough would have been enough to change the momentum, even fake out some defenses enough to where maybe we could have gotten points on the board enough to get ahead. Um, Carson Wentz, And I will, I know we're going to get into this a little bit later. Carson Wentz, I don't necessarily, I'm not a hater. I still support him. I think it's not necessarily all his fault, but stats don't lie. He hasn't been helping us really at all. He's having the worst season of his career. So I do think this was a little delayed. 
Um, and we'll see how far it goes. Yeah, those were – I just want to go back, Jordy. That was well said. I just want to go back to this one thing. Anybody else notice Jalen Hurts in the back, that back shark looking awfully like Jalen Hurts? I, I didn't yeah. know. That was yeah. weird. Google Google's a beautiful place. I definitely didn't make that picture. Um, and then just another thing I wanted to comment on was the uh, – was who he's throwing to in the bottom left. An Eagles receiver has no name. Uh, what? What? Who do they have to throw to? Kevin, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. Uh, who does Carson Wentz have to throw to? And mind you, the Eagles pay their receivers more than 26 other NFL franchises. They have the sixth highest paid receiving core and the third highest paid tight end core. So with these weapons... I want to get to a guy like GM Howie Roseman. Um, no football experience whatsoever. One of the what I think I think he's the only GM in the NFL that has absolutely no experience playing football. I don't care how good you are at analyzing numbers and money and all that, but don't you? What do you think about this? Like just from a personnel standpoint, what Howie Roseman has put together over the last few years. Do you have any disagreements with it? Absolutely. I, I'm on, I'm at my wits end with Howie and I've tried to defend some of the moves he's made to an extent. Um, I don't understand it. I think it's kind of an interesting take to kind of have the non-football guy come in and try and do, try and make something happen, but clearly it's not working. I think especially we can see this during draft time. Um, it just doesn't work out for us. It, his moves don't really make any sense. I think all of our issues kind of go back to the decisions that he has made. And I think that's because you can you can look and you can try and make all these crazy things happen. But at the end of the day, if you don't fully understand what you're doing, which I don't, the way it's been ha- working out, I don't think he necessarily does. Um, it's just not going to produce a winning team. And clearly we are struggling with that right now. Yeah, just a few guys that are getting, I mean, blatantly overpaid. Alshon Jeffrey, yeah. who signed, I think it was a four-year, $70 million contract, something along those lines. Yeah. I think next season he's scheduled to make a ton of money. Um, I think the Packers have one of the lowest salary caps when it comes to the receiving group. wouldn't Right, Kevin? I mean, you look at these guys besides Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard, I'm pretty sure, is adjunct teaching on the side to make money. These guys aren't making a ton of money. Big Bob Tanyan isn't making much. Uh, Sam Cardona, thank you for watching. Great comment. Yeah, how could you pay a guy that never completed a full season? Uh, well, at the time, he was 27 when they signed that long-term deal. Uh, Kevin, I mean, with with such little receiving uh, that Aaron Rodgers has outside of Devontae Adams, such little money, uh, such little draft stock, these guys are all late-round picks, if not undrafted, how has Aaron Rodgers been able to do what he does? It's funny you ask that, Gabe. Whenever I ask someone who their MVP candidate is and they say Pat Mahomes, I always ask the question. And I go, yeah, Pat Mahomes. I mean, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde edwards Elair now. Wow. Bunch of weapons. But uh, what's who's Aaron Rodgers throwing to besides Devontae Adams? Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I love and hate at the same time. <laughs> Makes some good plays, but he will be the death of me. 
until he uh, he uh, fixes his act a little bit. But I love the guy. He makes some big plays here and there. But yeah, that's that's the thing. Aaron, the obviously we all know that the Packers did not draft a wide receiver in the previous draft, and uh, Aaron Rodgers is going on a little revenge tour and just saying, "Hey, like I'm still the greatest to ever throw the football here, right right here, right now." And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say on that matter. Okay, let's go to the stats here. The Rodgers rate versus the Mahomes rate, uh, both brought to you by State Farm. They are big State Farm guys. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has Pat Mahomes beat in the age department by 12 years. He's got him. He's losing in yards, but he's got him beat in touchdowns, only has two more interceptions, and he has a better passer rating. Uh, Jordan, if I, let's, let's go away from the Eagles really quick. I know you watch all the, all the NFL. So when you're watching these two guys play and you follow them this season, which one do you think is more deserving of the MVP? Do you think there's other candidates out there? Cause right now I think it's just a two horse race. I do too. And early on this season, I was very on the Russell Wilson MVP train, but he fell off very quickly. And I tried to defend him for a while and I just can't really make a case for him anymore, especially after a loss to the Giants. Um, I'm a little biased here. I am a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Hardcore. I love him. And like you guys said, he makes all of this happen with like second, third, fourth round draft picks. He's never had a first round wide receiver. He really doesn't have anyone. His One of his number one guys is Tanyan. Isn't that your third string tight end? I think he's your third string. So he's well, making- Yeah, basically. I mean, Mercedes Lewis is mainly a blocking tight end, but it was uh, heading into the season. It was big Bobby Tanyan and Jay Sternberger. And Jay well, Sternberger really doesn't produce as well as Bobby Tanyan does. Yeah, Aaron like, Rodgers stopped throwing him the ball after week three when he dropped every single pass that went away. And Aaron Rodgers, he remembers. He does. He remembers. But <laughs> that's why I think Aaron Rodgers deserves MVP this season over Mahomes. I think Mahomes is the safe choice because he's Patrick Mahomes. He's unbelievable. But like you guys already just said, he has all of these weapons. It's easier for him. Aaron Rodgers is making this happen. With guys that it shouldn't, if it, if he wasn't Aaron Rodgers, there would be no numbers even close to this. So that's why I think Aaron Rodgers deserves it because he kind of does it all on his own. Yeah, I, <laughs> so Josh Allen. I'm I'm loving Josh Allen right now. I think he's yeah, he's he's great. And a lot of if we're going to talk about people who have been critical of a quarterback, nobody was more critical than Josh Allen coming out of the draft. So I love seeing Josh Allen succeed. Um, I talked on my channel before the season started and I said, Josh Allen was going to be an MVP conversation. I didn't even say he was going to be MVP and I got so much hate for it. And now he's like going off. So I love to see it. And what I don't get, how can you hate a guy that's from Wyoming? I mean, the guys, it's a feel good story. He went to Wyoming university has like the smallest population. This guy, was watching football like probably he probably had to get it like on the radio. He probably didn't even have a color television, but the guy came out and he and now he's and now he's succeeding and he's doing it in a way that's so dual threat. You can't you can't defend him with just going eight people in coverage. He'll run on you and if you blitz too much, then he'll throw it on you. He's he's the full package. I love watching Josh Allen play. A couple more comments I see here is uh going back to the Packers, Kevin with the number one seed, Nick Barnes thinks 
the Packers have a good shot to, or he's asking you, do you think the Packers have a chance for the number one seed? And Nick, thank you very much for tuning in. Yeah, I, I actually do, Nick, because the toughest team the Packers play in the next three games are the Tennessee Titans. And we just saw the Tennessee Titans get absolutely whomped by the Browns last, this past week. And I'm looking at the Saints schedule right now, and they have to play the Chiefs this week. Or wait, now. All right. Yeah, no, two weeks. They have to play the Saints and the Chiefs in two weeks. And the Packers actually hold tiebreaker over the Saints because they beat them in the season. This could win out. And I'm pretty sure the Pence, if they drop that game against the Chiefs and they are tied for the for the record, I'm, that's going to be, I don't know, 15 and four, maybe. Oh, no, that doesn't make any sense. Whatever. But, uh, 15 yeah, and four. I think yeah that sounds could, about uh, right. Yeah, that's math. I think the Packers could uh, possibly take it away from the Saints. They're only one game behind as of now. Yeah, I think as of right now, right, uh, the Vikings we are set to play the Packers if the season were to end right now. Now, obviously, that's going to change, but uh, that would be a super interesting playoff matchup. I remember years ago, the Vikings met the Packers in the wild card game. That was the infamous Joe Webb game. That was a fun one for Vikings fans. That was the worst way to end the season for us. But, I mean, I don't want to play the Packers. If I'm Minnesota, I know we're not going to beat them if we play them again. And right now, the Saints are winning in the most ugly way. Taysom Hill, he doesn't do it pretty. Uh, I think the Packers are a lot more, I mean, graceful in the way they win, if that makes sense. When they win, it looks a little better than the way the Saints are winning. And like you said, uh, you know, the Packers have beaten the Saints. So I think they have a good a good shot. Yeah, Andy's right. The Saints have a great defense. But at the same time, the Packers did score 37 points on that defense. And I do think this defense. With, yeah, and I think that says a lot. Um, let's get back to the Eagles, Jordan. All right. So we got <laughs> – we're talking about the salary cap. Uh, I mean, Howie Roseman, I would love to bring him on but I don't have those kinds of connections. Uh, the Eagles in 2021, they're set to have the second least amount of cap space in the entire NFL. They're going to have negative $63 million at their disposal. That's what they're set to, to have right now. So that means they're going to have to make some cuts, some budget cuts. Uh, the budget won't pass. Um, so who do you think has to go? Because uh, a few of those guys are definitely going to have to go. Yeah, there's I think the problem that we have too is we have a our whole team, we have an old team. It's a bunch of old guys that we've had for a while that really can't produce. If you have like a couple vets here and there and you keep them for the name, like that's one thing, but I feel like that's majority of our team at this point and clearly it's not working. Um obviously wide receiver is our main problem on offense I think other than our O-line which doesn't necessarily exist anymore but I think our easiest thing would be to do we got Marquise Godwin and then he opted out for this season I think we cut Marquise Godwin and as much as I hate to say it I don't think we need Deshaun Jackson anymore I like and there are also guys I think we can restructure Lynn Johnson Derek Barnett dealing with injuries but I think we can restructure Derek Barnett and I think there are ways these guys are towards the end of their career I think there are ways we can can restructure them where they can finish out their contracts, but we also save money at the same time. I also, 
I really don't think we need Alshon Jeffrey at all. I think there's definitely a way to trade Alshon Jeffrey for some extra money, for a draft pick, for something, because he doesn't work on our team. There's really no benefit to having him, and I think we'd be better off without him. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey, he can't do anything if he's no. not on the field. And, and he's the one who was yeah. talking all this smack on Carson before. I just think he's a toxic energy, and like we don't need it. He doesn't do much. He adds toxicity. I don't like it. Uh, he came from the Brandon Marshall School of Toxicity. You know? <laughs> uh, it, it, that was a toxic environment. Imagine yeah. Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall on I the same receiving floor. I and, don't and want Jay to Cutler. <laughs> Jay Cutler throwing to them. And Jay Cutler having to also deal with his wife, who, I mean, wow, that just had to be just like a awful. Matt Forte was the only normal one in that whole group. Um, so, so uh, another guy we didn't mention, I wanted to mention him because he's an NFC North guy through and through, Darius Slay, a cornerback who is 29 years old. And 29 at some positions isn't old, but at corner, 29 is actually quite up there. I think 29 is when Terrell Revis started dropping off. 29 was when Xavier Rhodes stopped learning how to play corner for the Vikings. Now he's gotten rejuvenated. But I think 29 is old for a corner. And to give him a three-year, $50 million contract, and right now he's producing his worst season as a professional athlete, uh, according to PFF, this is his worst season. And the stats don't lie. Devontae Adams had six catches on seven targets against him last game uh, and absolutely shredded him. Uh, This secondary, they're young. But Darius Slay, do you think that was a mistake? What do you think they have to do to uh, fix that secondary? I don't necessarily think it was a mistake bringing him on. I think it was a mistake signing him to such a large deal before. Like, I think we would have been safer with a one-year, even if it was a larger contract, but like a one-year deal so we could just test it out and then extend him from there. Because like you said, like, against the Seahawks like he wasn't doing anything to benefit us and I was so excited to get him because I thought he was going to be like this missing piece that we needed and there's really nothing there our defense does step up a lot of the time but he's not really doing anything that benefits us so I really wish if I could go back in time and talk to Howie um be like no stick to a one-year deal this he's like you said he's 29 he's old for a corner one-year deal give him some money Three years, it's not worth it. I told you, our whole team is old. This is our problem. We need young, athletic, new guys. We have such an old team. It's not working. Yeah, and I see another issue. I mean, I'm going to be talking to uh, a Lions writer uh, coming on next, Jeremy Reisman, and I think another thing we're going to talk about is the age of their defense and how they also went out and signed a bunch of guys and how – for what your currently situation you're in for the Eagles, you're kind of in a rebuilding situation now. Yeah. I, I think that's it's a we're not gonna say they're they're done, like you scrap everything, but I'd think it's safe to say at three, eight, and one, you're rebuilding. Um yes. so I wanna just bring up one last thing before I get to my final topic. I just wanna okay. talk to Kevin about this awesome graphic I made. The battle for 50 bucks, Kevin, we got Four games remaining, and I am not going to lose this one. Now, the Bucks, the Bears, the Saints, and the Lions, that's what the Vikings have to go up against. I think we can win out. I think we're going to beat the Bucks. 
I think we're going to definitely beat the Bears. The Saints on Christmas, the Vikings are going to come through and beat them. And then the Lions, I think the Vikings got a good shot. Now the Packers, I think they're going to lose to Teddy Bridgewater. I think they're going to lose to Tennessee. And I think they're going to lose to the Bears. And the Vikings own the tiebreaker. Bam, I win. I win the bet. Oh, Kevin's gone. Oh, my God. All that talk. He just left. I think we're very optimistic about the Vikings. No. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to bring it back on. Okay, Kevin, did you did you catch what I said there? No, this uh, this website sucks. Okay. All right, I'm going to bring it back up. So you see this, Kevin? I Go for it. What do you think when you look at this? And also, I want to add, that $50 bill, that's what I would owe you if I win, or if I lose, I mean. If I lose the bet, you never specified which currency we were going to use, and the Canadian 50 is what I'm going to give you. I mean, I get both the screenshot, and there's clearly a money symbol next to the 5-0. And in normal terms, the money symbol means dollars. So $50, I'm not sure what Canadian 50 translates to American 50, but I better receive $50 American currency by the end of the season. All right. But I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> but, okay. If you, do you, I'll give you pesos. I think that's a fair deal. Uh, Serena with the comment. Thanks for joining the show, Serena. All right. Let's everybody's getting yeah. mad at me for all that Vikings BS. I, I actually don't think that was, Oh my God. I'll bet the $50 oh Vikings God. win more games. Oh Th- there's my handshake. Virtual handshake. Cause we're in I didn't like the, I didn't like the That's message it. though. I didn't like the message. You're the one who said it. Oh, I sent the handshake. Christine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Youngest oh, team God. in the league. Yeah, it's true. Hey, if we're talking youth, the Giants have a young team. Yeah. Uh, all right, one last thing before we get off. Uh, Jordy, I want to talk to you. What is your favorite Hanukkah or Christmas movie? It's Tomorrow Night Hanukkah. I want to wish all my Jewish friends a happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. My favorite. I'm a Christmas person. My favorite Christmas movie. This is a hot take. I love the Polar Express. I watch it every Christmas Eve with my sister. There are some people who get weirded out because they say it's like a cartoon, but it's too realistic of a cartoon. But I just think it's so wholesome and it's so adorable. I love the Polar Express. Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, Kevin, how about you? What's your favorite Christmas movie? I like the Year Without Santa Claus because that one has the heat miser in it. And you remind me a lot like the heat miser. Is that the same one as Burger Meister Meister Burger, or is that different? No, I don't okay. know what you're That's talking a different about. One. That's a different one. Okay. My favorite one is A Christmas Story. Never had a BB gun, but it made me want to get a BB gun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's it. Um So, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, Jordan, is there anything you want to add before we head out? No, we'll see what happens with Jalen Hurts this weekend, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, I'm rooting rooting for you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, do you think, wait, before I go, do you think in like one sentence, do the Eagles make the playoffs? No. Okay, that's better. Washington (laughs) and the Giants are surging and we are collapsing. So Fair enough, fair enough. And Kevin, anything you want to add? You probably want to go back to studying. No, I just want to say something to all my doubters and my fans. 
My fantasy team went eight and five, and I am the third seed in the playoffs. The same league that Gabe Flayton is in, and Gabe, however, missed the playoffs after talking nonsense for 13 weeks straight. Kevin kind of reminds me of Home Alone. All right, well, Thanks. I have more points for I have more points for than you. And if Ezekiel Elliott could get his butt in the end zone on the goal line one time, I'd go to the playoffs. So, Zeke, I right, oh yeah. my god! All right, I'm, I'm done with Enjoy this. Enjoy the consolation yeah. bracket. Yeah, I'm done with you. Okay. All right, Jordy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank Everybody, you could watch. Me. No problem. Everybody could watch Jordy on the Brew Party on Andy Hopper's channel uh, coming up in just about 15 minutes. But yeah, Jordy, happy holidays. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Happy holidays. And that was Kevin O'Brien and Sporty Jordy talking about the Eagles and Packers. And now we have another special guest coming on uh, to discuss the Lions and how their season's going. I'm really excited to talk about the Lions right now. It's finally a team I don't hate. And that's Jeremy Reisman as I try to get the uh, Packers background off. Jeremy, I love the mustache. How are you doing? Thank you. It's uh, <laughs> it's not something I'm very used to. I did the whole Movember thing, and then uh, now I'm basically being financed to keep this mustache from our Twitch channel that keeps donating subs to to keep it, which is awkward. That's and, great. But you know what? It, it's quarantine time. I don't have to show up publicly to anybody. There you go. Yeah, you're rocking it. I love it. Um, So, and the Lions are actually playing pretty well right now. Um, so, they they got the win with their first uh, first time head coach Daryl Bevel, interim head coach, former Minnesota Viking offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of him back in Minnesota. The offenses he created with Brett Favre, he really rejuvenated that offense, and uh, they got the win. And now they are the third team on the season that has had their interim head coach win their first game. Yeah. I guess that's. The sports betters should have done something about that. They should have taken that into consideration. But what was most impressive about this win for uh, the Lions? It was really just kind of the offensive game plan. Um, Matthew Stafford had been reined in for so long under Matt Patricia. You know, he's, he's averaging somewhere around seven, eight yards per uh, pass attempt in terms of air yards. In that game, I think it was 13 and a half. So they really pushed the, the Bears defense downfield. And we know that's how Matthew Stafford best operates, which made the previous three years so frustrating as a Lions fan to watch them rein in Matthew Stafford like that. And so it worked. I mean, you saw them without DeAndre Swift, without Kenny Galladay, um, and, and right after they send Marvin Hall out, um, who was their deep threat prior to that week, all those guys are gone, and they still were able to challenge a, a really good Bears defense. And I know that team is trending downwards, but that defense had still been playing pretty well up until that week. So I think it's just impressive for the Lions to finally get aggressive maybe, and, and really succeed despite being pretty shorthanded on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think we talked about it that first time we talked a few, uh, like over a month ago is that the Lions play better sometimes when they're – when they play like they're losing, or in this case, they are losing the yeah. game. But I think it was right after that Jaguars game where they played when they were winning, but they played like they were losing. They still played with that kind of aggressiveness. And I think the Lions are a great example of a team that plays so much better when they're behind than when they're ahead because of the way they like to operate with uh, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford was insanely accurate in this game. Um, he was making beautiful throws on a line in Soldier Field in really cold weather. Now, he's had probably one of his hardest seasons as a Lion just from all the 
things surrounding this team, injuries and drama with COVID. But um, what makes him so special for people who don't think Matt Stafford is like a top 10 quarterback or just don't know enough about him? What makes him a special quarterback that you have seen from the last 10 years? I mean, part of it is just his competitiveness, right? I mean, he's he's been stuck on the Lions for 12 years. He's dealt with a bunch of injuries, a bunch of off-field drama with, with the health of his wife, and he had a couple of COVID scares this, this year. I mean, the fact that he just comes out there and plays like, you know, he's it, it's his first game as a rookie. He's just, he's got that youthful spirit, and, and sometimes you don't necessarily see it as much as other times when the team is losing, but the guy is a complete professional. His arm talent is still there at 32 or, or whatever he's at this at this point in his career. And I mean, he's still fearless. He's still got the arm angles that he's thrown from, you know, the sidearm thing that was popular uh, before Patrick Mahomes, believe it or not. Um, and, and I don't know, he just goes out there and competes every single week. He works hard. He's a professional on and off the field. And he, I mean, we're, we're getting towards the part of his contract where people are starting to talk about the lines potentially moving on from him. And I understand all that chatter, um, but that's going to be a very sad end of, of an era for me, at least, uh, considering he was just so much fun to watch over the past 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. That sidearm throw. He patented that first. I totally agree. He, um, I think the biggest knock on him is that he probably is just, some people might find him boring because Mm -hmm. he's so he's good. He makes the good read. He doesn't, he doesn't scramble a ton. His pocket presence is amazing. I think fans just don't have an affinity for people with pocket presence. I think fans want to watch guys scramble and make crazy plays, but Matt Stafford is one of the best at stepping up into the pocket. He has had some of the most clean pockets this season. I think that's attributed to not only the good offensive line play. I think he makes his pocket cleaner by finding the little crevices in the pocket and extending that. But yeah, I love watching him play. No Kenny Galladay, no problem. Marvin Jones Jr. uh, And Danny Amendola, TJ Hawkinson. I don't know if Marvin Hall made a catch in this game. I think it was Quintez Safis who kind of had a nice game as well. So this receiving core, do you think it's still legit without Kenny Galladay? I mean, it it is and it isn't. I mean, I think you look at a guy like Marvin Jones and he's a solid number two guy. He's he's and he's really been that way his entire Lions career over the past five years. The Lions have gotten a ton of value out of the contract they got out of him. I think TJ Hawkinson is an up and coming guy. I mean, arguably already a top five tight end Um, in terms of production this year. um, He is a top five tight end. And then beyond that, it's, it's a bunch of question marks. Quintus Cephas, you know, he got his first touchdown of his career last week, and it's kind of had an up-and-down season, been inactive for a little bit, came back this week, obviously with Kenny Galladay out. And and they did, actually, they cut Marvin Hall, which was a bit of a surprise. Oh, no, though. they cut it. I like Marvin did. Hall. Yeah, and, and honestly, <laughs> I did too. Like, it was crazy. In 2019, he was averaging over 30 yards a catch. Uh, he yeah. only had nine catches, but it was every single one of them was for 40 yards. It was just bomb after bomb after bomb. And it was kind of a surprise. Um, so instead, they were relying on 32-year-old Mohamed Sanu last week, who had a couple of nice catches as well. So I wouldn't say it's like a top-tier uh, wide receiver group. And, and even with, with uh, Kenny Galladay in there, it might not be. But it's it's varied enough. that I think they have a bunch of versatile options. They've, they've even thrown in Jamal Agnew, their, their punt returner, in there a little bit. And he got active early in that game that kind of, I think, threw the Bears off early on. So it's a varied group. It's kind of like a, a ragtag group of guys that you wouldn't necessarily have on your fantasy team, but you throw them all together and you got a little Giants type of team where they, they can accomplish more than some other parts. Yeah, I like that. They all play better. Like they all play better with Matt Stafford. I think if you put them on any other team with any other quarterback in a different system, I don't know how well they would all do. Yeah. Um, but 
you mentioned Jamal Agnew. I want to go to that one play where they ran a jet sweep to him. <laughs> um, I actually liked the play. Yeah. I, at the time, I liked the play. Do you think it was just executed badly by Agnew, or do you think that was just a bad play at the time? No, I mean, I loved the play call. It was Daryl Bevel's first offensive drive as head coach. The Lions are facing a fourth and one in field goal territory. He could have very well settled for three there. I like the aggressive call there. I like the play call. Like you said, he was basically one-on-one with the with the defensive back. And if he would have just kept running, he probably would have gotten the first down in, in four or five more yards. Instead, he tried to cut it upfield, put his shoulder down, and, and the Bears defender made a really good play. But uh, I, I think the play call was right. I think I love to see him be aggressive there because I'm not sure if Matt Patricia would have been aggressive in that same scenario. And it just didn't work out. So I'm, I'm fine with the play call, fine with uh, the decision to go for it. Uh, just Jamal Agnew made a mistake there. Yeah, and a guy they maybe could have gave him the ball to but didn't, and a guy who turned out to have an awesome game was Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. He's been the touchdown vulture for the Lions this season, yeah. and it's been screwing over a lot of fantasy teams. <laughs> He does just enough like to get relevant in fantasy, but he doesn't do above and beyond. Yeah. Um, but I love Adrian Peterson. I'm so happy to see him succeeding right now in Detroit. Um, do you think this is like do you think he's a a temporary option or how many more years do you think the Lions are gonna keep him? Do you think this is just the last year that, and they're running with him? I, I do kind of think that. There, I mean, if you were to ask Lions fans about him three weeks ago, everyone would say you got to. I mean, they'd consider cutting him because he started the year, I think, with like 5.3 yards per carry or something crazy in the season opener against the Bears. And literally every progressive week, it got lower, lower, all the way down to like 0.8 one week. Um, but a crazy thing, a crazy stat that we learned about Adrian Peterson after this game, he had back to back rushing two two back-to-back games with two rushing touchdowns or more in the past two games. So two rushing touchdowns against, uh, who was it, uh, Houston. Uh, yeah, Houston. And then two against uh, the Bears. That's the first time in his career he's done that. He's never had two rushing touchdowns in back-to-back games, which is insane. Like that, I had to double-check that. I had to triple-check that because it just doesn't seem like it could possibly be true, but it is. Um, but in terms of your overall question, I think – I think it's just kind of a stopgap. Uh, Matt Patricia was always kind of a fan of getting these older, bigger um, backs to to help complement their their young spry guy. They they brought in Legarrette Blunt a year before that. They brought in C.J. Anderson the year before that, and so um, they they never really seem to work for whatever reason. Adrian Peterson is working again, and it's a nice compliment now. But considering there's probably going to be a whole coaching staff change, I I would be very surprised to see him around in 2021. Yeah, and. Another ex-Viking, Everson Griffin. I want to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has five sacks this season, which is pretty good. It's uh, not bad. Um, and he's been hopping around from different organizations. Have you liked what you've seen out of Everson Griffin? Do you still think he has some of that Vikings like 2017 in him, or is he falling off? He's, he's still got a little juice. And, I mean, he's really fun to just, like, watch on the sidelines. That guy is super well, he's intense. crazy. He's, he's crazy. He's, yes. Literally crazy. <laughs> I mean, my, my favorite thing that's happened with him so far in, in Detroit is a, a, a coach called him good, and he got offended. He said, you're a great coach. Why Why aren't you calling me a great player? You're calling me good? Oh, I'm going to show you on, on, on Sunday. 
And I think it was actually, I think it was the Vikings coach. It was, think, it was Mike Zimmer. I yes. think it was Mike Zimmer. That yeah, was messed right. up. That's messed up. No, I've ever seen Griffin blew my mind. I've, he did things I never seen a defensive end do. He mm-hmm. played in his rookie season in Minnesota. He played gunner on punts, which oh he was an animal. This guy just wanted to be out on the field. He is so, he's so athletic. I love his spin moves. He, he's awesome. Uh, and I think you guys got a really good steal for him. And I think, yeah. I think he would love to stay in Detroit just to play the Vikings two times a year. And, For sure, yeah, and, and, and show and it last, to him. Last week was a perfect. He pulled off a, a perfect spin move on a third and four. I think got the sack in the fourth quarter when the Lions absolutely needed to stop. So he still got that juice in him. It's not coming on a on a consistent down to down basis because the guy is thirty two. I mean, how can it? But I mean, in terms of energy, in terms of you know, uh, I, I think motivation. He's probably a big help in that locker room that, that certainly needs it because the defense isn't very good right now. Yeah, I want to talk about um, your young guy, Jeff Okuda, mm-hmm. who's, I mean, no rookie corner is expected to perform well. I, Jeff Gladney, I thought would be good right away. You just assume you spend a first round pick on a guy, right. especially with Okuda, you were probably like, well, he's got to be good right away. We use such a valuable pick on him. And like a guy like Chase Young, who was just one pick before, immediately producing. It's a little different with corners. So how is Jeff Okuda developing, if at all, right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't been a great rookie season. There's really no way, no other way to put it. Um, he did get thrown into the fire because Desmond Trufant, the signing, did not work out at all. He got injured immediately. So Okuda's first game was against the Packers and and going up against Devontae Adams, and it went about as well as you could expect. And Okuda's also been dealing with an injury, and right now he's actually out. He's uh, He had a shoulder injury. Now it's a groin injury. Not sure he's going to play this week. He's missed the past couple weeks. So um, it's it's just, it's just been a really rough season for him. He, he missed a lot of training camp, too, and it's already a shortened training camp. So I mean, he's basically had everything work against him, and it, it hasn't – I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you if he's progressing because we just haven't seen enough of him yet. So I think, I think at the end of the season, we're just kind of going to all hit the reset button. We're going to come in next year and be like, all right, let's, let's try this again with Okuda, make it a, a like a second rookie year and, and hope everything turns out well, because really th- there's not a lot positive you can bring from everything that's happened so far in his rookie year. Yeah. There was one moment where you, you like it, you really um, thought he had potential and that was against Kyler Murray with that interception. I think that mm-hmm. was his brightest spot of the season. Uh, Jeff Gladney still waiting for that moment yeah. where you're like, oh, this guy was worth a first round pick. I don't think Jeff Gladney has an interception. I don't think he has a forced fumble. He makes tackles when he has to. Um, but other than that, he's kind of just a little guy running around on the field looking <laughs> lost. But um, a guy like Cam Dantzler, I mean, a third round pick, we got Cam Dantzler and yeah. he's producing. He had an interception and a forced fumble. Really excited that he turned out pretty good. Um but let's go into the more finances of the Detroit Lions because uh, it's gonna 2021 is actually going to be a nightmare financially for this team uh, because of the way uh, – was it – what is the – Quinn, what's Quinn's first name, the GM? Bob Quinn, yeah, Bob Quinn. Yeah, Bob Quinn just completely – similar to what we were talking about before with the Eagles, just went out and signed a bunch of <laughs> veteran players who obviously they got kids, they got a family, they want more money, they have experience – I, I thought that was kind of silly. First, what were your thoughts on just like how that all those signings with Shelton to Jamie Collins, who I've actually liked Collins, but wow, let's talk about those signings first before we talk about their cap space situation next season. Yeah, it, it, it felt like kind of a desperate grab. Like though Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia had to know going into 2020, this was their last chance to make some sort of impression. And the defense had been really bad up until 
that year, this year, and and they had to go get guys that knew the system. The the way they pitched it to the media was, listen, it's a shortened off season. We got to go and get these former Patriots that already know the system that don't need you know a, a month or two to learn the language, learn the you know the the scheme and all that sort of stuff. And on on the surface, it made sense. I mean, if 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 you have all these young guys like Jeff Okuda that you need to bring along, why not? paired them with a, a bunch of people that, you know, Duran Harmon, I think was a good trade that they got a, a good safety player and, and the linebacking core. I mean, they, they have a guy, Jelani Tavai, who they took in the oh, second I round. I hate him. Yeah. I hate that guy. <laughs> very good. And so it makes sense. Maybe, you know, put him next to, to Jamie Collins and say, Hey, teach the guy so that when, you know, you hit 35 and, and can't play anymore, we've got Jelani Tavai. And it made sense at the time a little bit. Some of the cap numbers and, and, and figures were a little high. I mean, I think the most questionable signing they made was Halapuli Vati Vaitai. And I kind of just wanted to say his name so, so I could prove that I could say it. Uh, I will never be able to say it that smoothly <laughs> as you. I will never try. <laughs> you, you want me to give you a tip? Yeah. You sing it to uh, play that funky music, white boy. Halapuli Vati Vaitai. You'll never, you'll never say it wrong again. That's how I learned. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they gave him like 10, 11 million a year. He's always been a backup tackle. And so the Lions got stuck on that this year. He's been injured all year. And, and they're stu- the problem is, like you said, it, it, it affects future cap. They're, he's a guy that they probably have to keep next year just because of that high cap figure. Maybe they get rid of a guy like Desmond Trufant, uh, a guy that they had to replace because Darius Slay hated Matt Patricia. Um, some other big, you know, Justin Coleman's a guy who they brought along. I, he was very good. I, Part of me thinks that some of these guys would succeed under a better coaching staff, uh, including a guy like Jeff Okuda. Justin Coleman, I think, falls into that category, so they might hang on to him. But, I mean, it, it's tough. It's not – you're right. It's not a great cap situation, which is a disappointing because actually Bob Quinn, if if there was a, a feather in his cap uh, during his time in Detroit, he actually managed the cap fairly well, um, but he kind of left on, on bad terms and he just kind of like set the fire on his way out and, and now whoever comes in next is going to have to deal with that. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, I mean, there's four games left, and at this point, I want to bring up their remaining schedule here. Uh, at, with four games left, you have a five and seven record. You have the Packers, Titans, Bucks, and Vikings. That's an incredibly difficult stretch. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on how they're going to finish this season? I, I mean, me personally, I look at that and I say. There's no way they make the playoffs, but the Lions seem to have a way with competing with really good teams like the Saints earlier in the season. So walk me through kind of how the end of the season might look like. Yeah, I, I do think there are some people that are optimistic. I think they they see how Darrell Bevel changed that offensive la- offense last week against the Bears, and you know they're they're technically only one game out of the playoffs. So if they can get on a roll here, maybe uh, just maybe they sneak their way into the playoffs, but. Don't count me in that group at all. I think at best they win one of these games. Their defense is still very, very bad, very, very injured. Danny Shelton is is on IR. Uh, Desmond Trufant, as I mentioned, is, is also on IR. I just don't see a way that they can hold teams like Green Bay at bay. I, th- I mean, especially, you know, a lot of those teams can run the ball really well. Tennessee can run the ball really well. Minnesota can run the ball really well. Packers can run the ball really well. Packers and the Vikings have already beaten up on this Lions team, especially uh, their their defense, and I, I see no reason to think why they can't do it again. Maybe the Lions sneak in a, a game. Maybe Minnesota's not playing for something in, in Week 17. Maybe they catch Brady on an off day in, in Tampa because it seems like he just rotates between on day and off day. Um, but in general, I just 
I think the Lions defense is so bad that basically every one of these games is going to have to get into a, uh, a shootout. And I don't think the Lions are good enough to win this. Yeah, I, the Lions have the uh, worst, one of the worst, I think they're second worst uh, tackling mm-hmm. PFF rating, yeah. which I mean, how does PFF really grade tackling? It seems weird, but like that, that checks out. Like you yeah. watch the Lions play. The first thing I noticed when I watched the Lions play this year was like, they can't tackle. Yeah. Um, Jelani Tavai is a, is a prime example versus the Packers. Uh, he's just not a great tackler. And you, you see the, like the hair coming down from his uh, neck and you're like this guy definitely looks like he can tackle right. <laughs> and, like Troy Palomalu like exactly. Eric, Eric Kendricks when you have that kind of hair you live up to like a standard of tackling <laughs> that he just doesn't hasn't lived up to but uh, yeah I think th- I, as for the Vikings I mean I'll touch on them a little bit like with how they look down the stretch I think they're also going to struggle um, realistically if I'm being dead honest like not lying at all um, they're probably not going to beat the, out the Cardinals um, because the, they're the Vikings and they always find a way to blow things. But <laughs> but um, just like a, one more thing before I let you go, I want to talk about the head coaching search. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, the Vikings have had a good head coach. We haven't had to look for one in a while, and I'm glad we got Zimmer, a guy who actually is a defensive guy and practices what he preaches. Right. Um, and at the time, Matt Patricia, ever, anybody would have made that hire. Um, he was a very coveted figure, and now we're going into the same ballpark of guys who are coveted. Uh, Robert Sala, I yeah. think, is a guy you're probably keen on. Uh, another guy who is highly coveted. Who do you think is the favorite? Do you think Sala is the favorite? Is there any other candidates you want? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Sala is definitely the most popular guy in Detroit right now. Um, maybe a little bit less so after Monday night and, and Buffalo. Um, that That was kind of a horror show for Lions fans that were just like, everyone's very excited about Robert Sala. Let's go watch him on Monday night football and, and get really pumped for him. And then Brian Dable, who I would also consider maybe a, a, a head coaching candidate, the Bills offensive coordinator, went and just tore him apart. And, you know, to be completely fair, I think Josh Allen deserves most of the credit for what happened on Monday night. But um, Brian Dable is, is, is an up-and-comer. And I think uh, for all the Lions fans that want a, an offensive-minded guy, he should be towards the top of that list. And and I think that's where what everyone wants, right? They, they want that offensive-minded guy because that's where the league is headed. That's where I think the Lions maybe struggled in terms of m- matching their talent. Like defensively, they were, they were horrible this year, but the talent wasn't there. Offensively, they got some pretty good talent. At, at, at every level and they didn't really live up to it this year and and maybe De bevel sticks around as the offensive coordinator he obviously off to a good start so far but um a lot of people are talking eric b he's been the guy from the get-go i think robert sala kind of overtook him in terms of hype here in detroit i have my questions about him i have my concerns i mean all you have to do is really look at matt Nagy and be like i don't know if you really want to get a chiefs offensive coordinator i i think we all know who's really running the show over there um, other names, Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator, um, Lincoln Riley. Some people really think maybe he, he leaves Oklahoma. I'm, I think that's a, a pipe dream. Joe Brady is, is an awesome up and comer over in, with the Panthers, their offensive coordinator. He's a guy that I particularly like comes with a lot of risk because he's super young, doesn't have a ton of experience. So you don't know if he can build a staff, but, uh, those are probably the top guys I would say. Yeah. What about a, another guy, uh, Jim Harbaugh, I was just thinking about <laughs> at Michigan. I mean, there's been talks about him maybe coming back to the NFL. And what do you think about Jim Harbaugh? You think he's still got a shot? I, I'm a Michigan fan, so I'm not entirely high on him right now, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. 
Um, I think I'm an I think- Army fan, actually. I don't want to interrupt you. I'm an Army football fan, and Army gave you guys a great fight last year. We should have we should have won that game. Yes, no question. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I think maybe he's more fit to be a, a, an NFL coach. Um, I think it would. I mean, just optics wise, would be a horrible move for the Detroit Lions to, to hire him, considering half the state hates him right now, and the other half loves him for the wrong reasons. Um, so I, I mean, it, it just it wouldn't make sense in in Detroit. Um, I, I think he'll eventually get another chance. And does it mean he's he's going to be a head coach right away, or he'll have to work his way up? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I think I think it just makes no sense in Detroit. And, and anyone who suggests otherwise is, is either trolling or you know for you know giving us foreshadowing on on what would be like maybe the worst possible scenario for Lions fans. Well, there might be one other scenario that could be worse. Nick Barnes with the comment: Do you think Adam Gase could come up as a possible head coach? Ooh. I mean, I've actually heard legitimate talk about him joining the staff. Uh, getting maybe rekindling a quarterback connection with Stafford, like he had with Peyton Manning. Uh, and briefly, do you want to talk about what that all uh, that rumor has? <laughs> uh, please no. I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah. No. That, that light, I mean, I would a hundred percent out of hundred times out of hundred take Daryl Bevel over Adam Gase. And I, I mean, you said it yourself. I, Bevel has a a really good track record, um, and and Gase just doesn't <laughs> he's, he's well, deer in the yeah. headlights kind of look for for gays totally and nick barnes mind you is a jets fan he he is not <laughs> loving gays right now he would love no more i'm sure <laughs> nick to to see adam gays get the pink slip um but jeremy i want to ask you one more thing before i let you go thank you so much for joining me what's your favorite hanukkah or christmas movie where uh, tomorrow night's hanukkah i celebrate Ooh. it i'm not sure what you celebrate but uh do you have a favorite christmas or hanukkah movie I do. I celebrate a little bit of both. Uh, I, I always call myself Jewish, um, <laughs> but <That's great. laughs> uh, I think I think it, I mean I gotta go. If if we're counting it, Die Hard's got to be up there. Home Alone is is I think my go to like pure Christmas movie. And then uh, I'm also oh again this is kind of like a, a questionable one. Is, is Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? That's a that's a great. Great question. Uh, it has Christmas in the title, so I feel like you have to at least give it half credit, right? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> All right. I'll what, go what's that. your What's your second best? Second best before we go. Mm, I, I mean, it's got to be Home Alone then. Yeah. Okay. That's a good. That's a good duo right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be watching some some Christmas movies over the next couple weeks. I got to broaden my palette for Christmas movies. There's still so many I haven't seen. Yeah. I'm like starting to get into Christmas now that I'm like a grown up and I don't have to just <laughs> Hanukkah isn't the only holiday anymore. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> you can celebrate whatever the heck you want. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, everybody. You can follow Jeremy at prideofdetroit.com. Uh, do you want to plug any of your social media before I let you go? Sure. Uh, yeah. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Um, my personal account is Detroit on Lion, all one word. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Awesome, Jeremy. Thank you so much and enjoy the holidays. Thanks, Gabe. Jeremy Reisman from the Pride of Detroit.com. Love having him on as always. Um, everybody, thank you for commenting. Nick Barnes, thanks for tuning in and commenting. Um, Tom, for the comments. I'll try to get to some of yours next time. I had a bunch. Uh, and Serena Samakia, thank you for commenting. Christy Dorsey, another person, thanks for commenting, guys. Really appreciate it, so, as well as Sam Cardona. Uh, before I, I head out tonight, I just want to 
Remind everybody that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. It's a uh, we just launched it a few weeks ago. We're posting little tidbits of each uh, show on, and the best of the best will be on our YouTube channel. So check that out for more content from us. We have Big Blue Avenue tomorrow night with Tom Scavetta and Hank and Dichter. And before I go, I just want to remind everybody that on Friday night at 8 p.m., I will be hosting an Army versus Navy pregame show. Don't want to miss that show. Army-Navy this Saturday, 3 o'clock on CBS at Mikey Stadium. Can't wait for that one. But everybody, thank you so much for watching tonight. I had a great time. And have a great night. And happy Hanukkah to all my Jewish friends.